0: the pragmatic doulas this is a podcast where we talk all about birth and other
1: interesting things birth may be a goddess but she doesn't want to be worshipped she wants to be respected she doesn't want incense she wants common sense and
0: here we are and here we are action
1: good morning
2: good morning that's better than the last one The one that we had this week, where you, like, screamed
0: out. (laughs) Hey, motherfucker!" Yeah. Welcome (laughs) welcome to the great white north, where (laughs) winter is fast approaching. Shh. Yay. Some of us are happy. Yay. Some of us are resigned. And some of us are downright miserable. Yep. Look. I like to say denial. I was born in this country. I love (laughs) this country. I
2: am constantly hot and sweating. (laughs) So anything, you know, 15 degrees... I am thrilled. Yesterday, I wore my skinny jeans, I wore a t-shirt, I pulled my gray sweater out of the closet, I put that shit on with my scarf, and I walked out of here not wearing any socks, feeling the best.
0: I almost agree with everything you say. I was not born (laughs) in this country. I do love this country. I love the change of seasons. I love fall. The only bad part of fall is that it is, you know... The, the harbinger of the other <laughs> season, <laughs> that I don't love. Of death. <laughs> that I don't love so much. Winter Junior. Yeah, I'm yeah. not a fan of Winter. But if we could just have, like, April to November weather. Yeah, all right. I that that's enough variation for me. Can we, go March, Can we me. go March because I was actually uh, born in March? Well, okay. I'd, Let's do okay. I don't want to get do rid Let's do March of to December. That encompasses all our birthdays. Yeah, yeah all right. right. That's good. And, and just get rid of January and February. Which are yeah? The okay, worst. That's, I think that's pretty generous. That's the
1: those we can do. That months. we we're willing to keep ten yeah. out of the twelve months. So basically, you're saying we'd like to live in BC? Uh, Isn't is that, that the that temperature how, in BC? Yeah. They don't really get big yeah. snowfall. True. No, no. because they... but they also don't get it. They, they get the heat. a lot of rain, rain and it's kind of rain.
0: like mossy <laughs> all the time over there. <laughs> like I, the
1: I did go to BC. constantly
0: damp. I did go to BC in February, and I was what? happening here (laughs) (laughs) everything was green and um they have palm trees and stuff in the ocean and the mountains and all that's beautiful but but the um and the humidity would be great Mm. for me but but yeah always like kind of a little bit moist
2: yeah yeah Yeah. who wants that that's why i like falls. so i'm not constantly damp
0: that's one thing that i'm welcoming about the cooler temperatures set everything else kind of dries out yes yeah you could feel it in the house yesterday
2: what it rained no mosquitoes either (laughs) and then the day before that it
0: was like 30 yeah (laughs) there was a record yeah
2: that is canada's weather october 1st especially
0: in toronto yeah there we you could have worn a bikini literally 30 degrees yeah and today i swear to you i took my jacket like my winter my light winter jacket out of the closet and said do I need this today because yep. it's single digits you know so <laughs> so do you have a light winter
1: jacket and a heavy winter jacket I do I thought I'd turn this off
0: I do have a light winter jacket and a heavy winter jacket yeah I do
1: right I have
0: over. I have
2: what I usually like sweater with a like a jacket like that mm-hmm. on and then I have my snow shoveling jacket
1: which oh. I don't wear <laughs> under normal
2: circumstances because I'm not going out in that when it's like ridiculously cold outside yeah. Why? 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 Why would I do that?
0: God, why would I that, leave the house? I'm
1: just thinking of that <coughs> is upsetting me.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's upset. what I'm. That's what I mean. It's the only downside of fall is that it's the transition.
1: It's the transition season.
0: True. Yeah.
1: I love the the light, like the snowfall days. But where it's mild, it's just that cold that gets you the snow, but mm-hmm. it's not the cold that hurts your bones. Yeah. You know when you walk outside and you or feel like your... your face. Yeah, your snot freezes while oh. you're trying to breathe. Yeah. Or you feel like you're, the moisture in your eyes freezes while you're so, just trying to look around.
2: So we have... Mm-hmm. We have... I just... I was saying this morning, we have some listeners in Australia. We've gone up a little bit in yeah, yeah, our yeah. Australian yeah. listeners, mm-hmm. which I love because mm-hmm. I so want to go to Australia. Uh-huh. Um, it's hot there, you know. Just so you know. We're like talking about snot freezing. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going, eyeballs d- freezing open. I don't understand
0: what's <laughs> yeah. happening yes. here. Yes. Yeah. It's called Why winter. Why do people <laughs> live in that place? That's not. Um, a, a long, long time of- ago, I was, I didn't have a car. I was on my way to an overnight client. So it was about nine o'clock at night. It's in deep, deep winter. So it's dark outside and everything. And it was, I would say the the. Uh, it was a snowstorm it definitely was but not so bad that people were not traveling people mm. were still so <laughs> i was Edward taking the bus because so, yeah. that's what, you, what i had just to go to work so i got all dressed up trudged out to the bus stop can you imagine oh my god god bless people who have to do that i go to the bus stop and i'm in the bus shelter just like oh my god the wind is howling the snow is blowing the cars are crawling this guy comes into the bus stop, and he's like, arrest a guy. I'll wrap up, right? So the guy says... I tell this story to my family all the time. They love it. My old relatives. And the guy's like jumping up and down, trying to like warm himself up. <laughs> and he says, he says, no man. <laughs> Human do no make for living at this." <laughs> do you guys understand what <laughs> Yes. Like, <laughs> why are we... Why are we habitating the northern part of the world, (laughs) basically? Human beings were not supposed to. And I was looking at him like, yeah, technically we should be like in our homes right now, hunkered down. Nobody should be outside in this kind of weather because it was cold, windy, and snowy, and dangerous, frankly. So this guy was right, and I'll never forget that. Every time... (laughs) I gotta go shuffle my car out, and it's minus 17, and there's ice like two inches thick. I say to myself, what the hell are we doing here? (laughs) What are we doing here? Exactly. Yeah. It's true. So. So that's winter in Canada. There you go. And it's coming. Yep. It is coming. It is coming.
1: It's coming. I like to think
0: it builds character. Right? It's what makes we're, us hardy. We we're strong, we're hardy. Yep. We've,
2: you know, we're resilient, we're tough. That's why I have to weigh this much to keep all of my this internal the, organs warm. Absolutely.
1: For shoveling the driveway. For shoveling yes. the driveway and yeah.
2: keeping all my innards yeah. padded yep. and comfortably warm. Mm hmm. Serves a purpose.
1: It does. Yeah. Good. There
0: you go. Oh, um, what are we talking about today? Birth loss. Nothing yeah. fun. No.
1: No. no, not not one of the things that we celebrate as a doula, not one of the easiest parts of being a doula, um, is when our clients lose their babies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
0: so we're so the we're talking about the whole gamut of loss, early pregnancy loss, <clears throat> uh, babies who are born still, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know if you guys have experienced any sort of neonatal no death death. I have not. Yeah. So I have a little experience with those things, but thankfully not a lot. And I really take my hats off to the birth workers who are full spectrum doulas, who support people through all of that stuff. It Mm -hmm. is hard friggin' work. Really hard emotionally. Emotionally
1: hard, yeah. Mm -hmm. Particularly when that's kind of the cornerstone of what you do. Yeah. Yes. Some people are, do a variety of things and there's other people who really commit themselves to that one line of work, helping mm-hmm. people work through the, the gamut of, of loss no matter, no matter when it happens. I mean, as those birth doulas, um, if our client has a loss, obvious, uh, I want to say obviously, but I don't, don't think always that people necessarily assume that they could call their doula for that. A lot of people, I've had a client said, but it's it's not really a birth. Like, well, it, it is like almost not in an argumentative way, but I had a client who basically called to let me know that my services weren't needed anymore because her baby had passed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I will be there. Mm-hmm. I will be there when this happens. Yeah. <coughs> and um, they had act. I had one client who actually made the decision to not have me there because mm-hmm. she says that she wanted to, if she were to have another baby she did not want to relate me and my face yep. to the loss and not have me there for a joyous day. She mm-hmm. couldn't do both. I thought no. that was a really interesting, introspective yeah. thought yeah. process and thinking ahead. Yeah, and like, she, she I knew think that's great. Yeah, um, that's what she knew about herself, and she really wanted this to just be quiet. It was going to be her and her partner, and um, outside of me and her care providers, I don't think she'd even told her family yet. Mm-hmm. So she just wanted this to kind of this part to be over. Right. Yeah. Wow! So you've been through that more than more than once. Mm-hmm. Kim, I know you wrote about it in mm-hmm. about your experience in. Oh goodness, what was that book called? Bearing witness. Bearing witness. That's it. Mm-hmm. That was a big journey. Childbirth stories as told by doulas. I think it's
0: called. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> Who wrote that? that? Was Lisa Caron and, and Lisa Doran and Lisa Dorn? Yep. Yeah. Who put that and together? You... Yeah.
2: Wow, it's it's a good book. I don't and not sure if it's still in print anymore, but or if it's available anywhere. But if you can get it, it's actually a really good book. It is a very good book. Um, yeah, as it's a not doula, just uh, mine's the only sad story in the whole thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> mine's yes. the only horrible story in the whole thing. Uh-huh. Uh, all the rest are actually fairly fun and humorous and enlightening and all of that stuff. Uh-huh. Um, all told by doulas. Uh-huh. So
1: now, quite often we don't. We aren't with families early on in early losses, and first trimester losses, because often yes, people, people don't, don't hire, hire their us prior support, to They're support, but yeah. And, and like I won't
2: them. I won't interview people until they're past their 12 weeks. Oh, really? For yeah. that reason? Yeah. I don't think... I'm so fabulous that they will <laughs> hire me instantly, and <laughs> I don't want to give back the money.
0: <laughs> I have been hired by people in first trimester, And it never occurred to me. It's It's happened happened to me more than
2: once. Uh. So I, like, if it was just a one-time thing, I'd be like, okay, that's a fluke. Like, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But because it's happened a couple times, two or three times, um, I don't do it anymore. It's, and plus it's, again, it's kind of, I have to, doing what we do, I have to protect my heart as best as possible Mm -hmm. because of, Everything that we sort of get involved in and and Mm -hmm. what we see and, and not just birth loss, but, you know, other forms of trauma in birth and, and, um, things like that. So if this is a a small part that I can, you know, a small piece of armor of not being hired before 12 weeks that I can put against my heart to protect it, Mm -hmm. then those, all those little things help me to handle the big things.
0: Right. Um, oh, what was I gonna ask? So, for the, you've supported people through that, mm-hmm. and so have you twice actually. And I have one time as a birth professional, and then one time in my personal life. And so, my question is: besides the usual support stuff, right? Because if you've if you've got a person who's had a baby. Mm-hmm they are going through all of the physiological things that you go through, especially if it's a late pregnancy loss, Mm -hmm. a stillbirth. Um, So they're bleeding and they have to deal with their milk coming in Mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff. What else from your experiences, what else do you do in your role as a support person for
1: that family? I think a lot of, it's almost like what's missing. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're, you're sitting with a, a family who are going through the labor process it is so different than I think what many 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 people anticipate with labor and delivery so yeah. already we talked about how different Hollywood birth is from what we currently experience um, we don't realize how ingrained it is until and I I saw this in um, the last two uh, term losses that I went to where the parents both pointed out the lack of sound in the room because mm. in every Hollywood, thing, that one freaked me out. The lack of sound the first time. Yeah. There's no monitoring. Mm-hmm. There's no, and nobody's unhar- talking and no one's talking because
0: either they're trying to respect your space or they themselves are traumatized by what's happening.
1: And so nobody's talking. No yeah. one's talking. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one client, I guess what was different too is, well, maybe this isn't so different than other women um, or birthing persons. They One person wanted to completely feel absolutely everything of uh, the induction that happened. No medication, no mm-hmm. dulling of mm-hmm. her senses. Mm-hmm. She wanted to go through this with her child mm-hmm. um, to experience her child leaving her body. And my other client wanted the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. wanted every drug, mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. in her system. She wanted something to... To bring down her anxiety um so t- she wanted all of her senses not just her physical ones dulled mm-hmm. at the time um but she was very clear she didn't want to ever be left alone she wanted someone's hand on her at all times mm-hmm. so that sense she didn't want so she was at all times either having i was holding her feet at one point although she had an epidural she knew that she wanted me to hold her feet um uh she wanted her partner right by her face and we would just signal each other to go to the bathroom and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and to switch positions. And that was the dull down sense. And the other person roared, absolutely roared and cried and did all of those things. And she actually didn't want much t- touch, touch at it all. Mm-hmm. She just wanted to roar around the room because this is how her baby was going to come. So, I think the intensity of emotion, because you already know the outcome, was very different in I don't know, you know, when you're in a space, you kind of get an idea of how other people are feeling mm-hmm. or the reverence that's being given. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can tell when it's not being given. I think probably it's a bit more apparent when you're in someone's birthing space who doesn't have a live baby coming to them. Mm-hmm. And not only not a live baby, depending on how long the baby has been passed, there's a, an uncertainty of how the baby will
0: look. present and yeah. how they will look. Yeah.
1: So although we can go ahead of time through that with mm-hmm. them and have that discussion it's we literally don't know yeah no. we don't know anything over 24 hours can be quite surprising and mm-hmm. hard mm-hmm. Very yeah. hard for the families very much so so those conversations just the fact that we have to have those conversations yeah. that's one of the biggest things that's a different part of the support
2: yeah have mm-hmm. you ever done like where the labor started and it was going to be a live birth and then
0: it wasn't during the labor, yeah, things the
1: happened? during the... the labor. Not during the labor, but um, <clears throat> my clients, for absolutely no reason we were able to determine, um, never kind of fully came online after being born. And, sorry, I can't even say that the, there was a, an abnormality that wasn't detected, mm-hmm. um, that was later detected mm-hmm. after an autopsy, but... Um, ahead of time wasn't and so baby was struggling when they were born and they were they went to the NICU and um, it it eventually you know often it's just they're gonna go it's gonna be careful it's gonna be cautious they're just we're better to have better safe than sorry because they're they're seeing something that's making them uncomfortable yeah you know that's why we're in this place and you've chosen to be here yeah but uh, after a couple hours the they came back in to talk and it, it was that things were not, you might not, things were not going to end well. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing that your baby's coming online. And in actual mm-hmm. fact, things are shutting down, mm-hmm. um, despite our best average. Baby was taken then to sick kids. Um, and... What was the gestation in that case? Full term. Mm. They, again, the full, normal, spontaneous labor. Yeah, yeah. Everything normal, 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 normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... It was a, it was around six hours later that the baby actually passed after we had left the hospital and went over to sit kids. Oh, wow. And uh, when the grandparents and stuff arrived, then I was excused because they, originally they were kind of cool with me being there and stuff. The family, not the staff. The staff were completely accommodating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they were still cool with me being there, but as the intimacy crept in as to what they needed, um, mm-hmm. they they thanked me for my time and yeah, and, uh, and sort of let you go, huh? and, and asked my their fam- asked me to send their family in. Yeah, and uh, their baby passed six hours about six hours after the uh, he was born. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. yeah. How about you? So, That's the
0: well the the one experience that I've had professionally was um, an intrauterine death. To technically spell it out, I think it was thirty. I think there were thirty weeks along, and. <clears throat> I, I, to this day I don't know exactly sort of what happened physiologically but they called me at one point um, we had we, this, these were repeat clients of mine I was with them for their first baby uh, for postpartum mm-hmm. and had such a great experience that when they when they uh, got pregnant again they called me to be their birth doula and to, to do further postpartum support with them And so we hadn't had our prenatals yet we hadn't had our prenatal right. meetings yet, because um, they still had 10 weeks to yeah. go. So we were just chit-chatting on the phone every once in a while, checking in now and then. And so they called me and let me know that at the prenatal appointment, they were not able to detect any fetal heart tones. And so she had been sent to L&D, and they did an ultrasound and confirmed that uh, the baby had passed. So that's when they called the partner my client's partner had called me from the hospital and so I asked them if they wanted me to be there and he said no not yet at that time so she did go through labor but they wanted to do it alone so I was not at the labor Uh, but I did go afterwards to help her afterwards with milk coming in Mm -hmm. and helping her with dealing with how to deal with the Lactation.
2: And the the emotions that come along with that.
0: Yes. Lots of mopping up of milk and tears. And um, so I think I probably did uh, maybe five visits or so postpartum. Most of it just sitting and talking. Mm -hmm. Most of it just... (laughs) Sorry, most of that is sitting. Some of it sitting and talking. A lot of it just sitting in the backyard doing nothing. Nothing.
1: Just being yeah. with the with the person, being yeah, present. Yeah, I didn't. I f-
0: really questioned, "What am I doing? Am I helping?" But and that I asked them, you know, there isn't much for me to do. Do you guys feel still feel like you need me? And she immediately said, "Yes, yes, yes." Even though all we had done that day was, I made lunch and we sat outside and had lunch and and had small talk,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that's what they needed. And then at the end of the five visits, they were very grateful and thankful that I was there Um, and all these years I've questioned what more I could have done but I guess I followed their.
2: you have to follow their lead yeah
0: that's what they needed me for they had other people family who did other things for them yeah Um, and I filled a little gap that they had so I think that that's that was me being a mother I felt like I wanted to do everything for them I wanted to make everything right for them in as much as I could and I needed to accept that that they had other people there to do that it wasn't just me I wasn't their only resource for support they had other people there and it uh, it didn't satisfy me so there's some ego there right they didn't satisfy my need to be there for them to do everything for them like I kept thinking Well, I kept telling her, you know, you can call me, you can call me. And she never did. She didn't call me in the middle of the night. Like I thought, oh, she's going to call me in the middle of the night. And she's going to be crying. And there was none of that. There was a quiet acceptance on their part. Um, This was a family who had um, gone through so much fertility issues. So they were an older couple. And their first child was a result of... So forgive me if I don't get my fertility terms correct. IVF, I know what IVF is, but they had embryos frozen, and so their first baby was a result of an Im- that implantation, and then this was a, the, they had one more left, and they, they that's what they did. They tried that, and this is the, the pregnancy that they um, lost, right? So it was their last chance because they were right. both well into their forties. Um, yeah, so I. It was, a, I've, over the years, I've processed it and realized that that was a lot of my ego. A lot of my feeling of I didn't do enough, I didn't do enough was my ego. I wanted to be there, everything. Right. And they didn't need me for
1: that.
2: But it, I think sometimes I wonder, because again, I have not experienced loss, so I don't know. But I have seen that they have other family that are going to yes. be doing all these other yes. things. And, and, the family's going to be like, you know, oh, you know, it's so bad. I'm so sorry, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're constantly, almost reminding them of it each time they show up with another casserole mm-hmm. and <laughs> things like that. Mm-hmm. I love <laughs> Whereas you're coming in and you're making lunch and you're chit chatting and giving her almost a piece a of, normalcy, of normalcy, you know. And mm-hmm. that may have been what she needed. What she actually needed yes. during that time. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've
0: now reached a place where I realized that I, I, I did, I gave them what they needed. Yeah, that I filled the the role that I was supposed to fill, uh, but for a long time, I felt this sort of feeling like I didn't do enough, like I wasn't there enough for them. But now I know that I was. I feel like that as a doula
2: constantly, like mm-hmm. I'm a giant fraud. You know, that I'm, foster. Yeah, that I'm showing up and I'm I'm doing all these things and when in reality I'm thinking, what the fuck did I just do? Yeah. I didn't do anything. Like I yeah. saw a client yesterday who just this baby just needed to be held and she just needed a break. And for three hours I held a baby mm-hmm. and that just felt like not the it most feels useless like, thing. Yeah. yeah. But in reality I think that's what was needed. Yeah, when you look back on it, you realize, oh, yes, that was important. I mean, I say to doulas who, you know, are going, oh, but what did I do? I didn't do anything. And then this happened and this happened. And it's like, okay, but maybe you were there for that once. There was one specific thing that you did, and you may not know what it is, mm-hmm. but there's one specific thing that you did that helped that family and helped that birthing person to
0: move forward. Mm-hmm.
2: and to that's, not be alone and that's in whatever huge. happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's huge.
0: And we can't underestimate the power of presence, yeah just absolutely um, being there I I know for myself, especially now that I'm a little bit older and uh, almost all my clients now are you know between the age thirty of your, and 35 of your kids. yeah, which is and I have two kids who are in that age group. so I've accepted that I've moved from being sort of like a big sister figure mm-hmm. To a little bit more of a mom figure Uh, when I become a grandmother figure to my clients then I know that (laughs) I I I gotta retire it's (laughs) time to retire Uh, and and because of that that's actually an advantage I used to feel like when somebody first mistook me for my client's mother I was horrified and could not sleep thinking about that (laughs) now I've settled into that whatever Suzanne (laughs) get over yourself and realize that that's actually an advantage that um having my clients look to me being so you know why would you feel bad about being your client's mom your m- mom is a source of comfort yeah she's a source of deep well of knowledge and, and wisdom those are great things to be i just at don't as. like being da- said that when the client
2: is only three years younger than you. <laughs> oh well that,
0: yeah that sucks so <laughs> oh, yeah that's
2: not good fuck you medical professionals <laughs> oh, that, that how sucks. old do i fucking look <laughs> not that way now no, nope. well, um, but I promptly after that birth man whenever that happens i probably go out and get my hair dyed because clearly there's too much gray well, in it
0: listen I'm so old that nobody three years younger than me is having a baby like that is so rare that somebody who's who would that be like 49 yeah so if you're 49 and you're having a baby call me <laughs> Call me, <laughs> and then I'll I'll be your big sister doula. But yeah, most of them, most people are in their thirties when they're having their babies. Yeah, it hasn't happened just, to me in a while, but yeah, years ago when it did, I was like, "What the fuck? How yes. old do you think I, I am? am?" Yeah, she but doesn't look that young. So now I now I'm 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 feeling better about it and understanding and appreciating the fact that just my presence alone, because that's how I feel about my own mom. Mm-hmm. She is not Just have to be in in the house anything just just has to be having her there brings me such a sense of peace and comfort that okay no everything is if it's not okay yet it's going to be okay because my mom is here and um i take comfort in the fact that that is what my clients are taking comfort in that i don't necessarily have to be doing anything magical no that my presence alone means something yeah yeah.
2: And I mean wasn't that what doulas were originally? They just yeah. I mean when Klaus and kennel and close, you know, mm-hmm. sat, got together, it was because some woman was sitting in a corner knitting, yep. just being a quiet calm presence and that's how doulas started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we've gotten to this point where
0: we're all, you know. <laughs> I'm gonna, I going I want to use that as my as some sort of marketing tagline to say to clients, listen, Yes, you got to pay me the big bucks, but I got to tell you, I'm not going to do anything.
1: I'm going to knit. I'm just going to sit, gonna sit in the corner and knit. I got
0: a couple of books I got to finish. <laughs> I got some socks and a sweater I'm knitting. I'm just going to sit over there and do that. Yeah, It's my calm presence that you're paying <laughs> for.
2: <laughs> That's,
0: That's it. It's my aura.
2: But I mean, how many times have you come into, you know, especially in postpartum, where you've come into a postpartum home? And the baby's, like, wailing, and you just pick up, and the parents are wailing, and you just pick up the baby. <laughs> yes. And everybody calms yeah. the fuck, fuck down, down immediately. Yeah. And it's like, they look at you and go, oh, my oh, God. You're, magical. you're magic. You're yeah,
0: yes. You hear the baby whisperer or something. And you're like, I hear that uh, all the, yeah, you get that all the time. Like, it's like, no, no
2: it's just... I'm just calm i just
0: yeah i'm just i'm not in that crazy space that you guys are all are tied <laughs> up in and tangled
2: up in and i'm just going to remove you from that space one by one yeah. <laughs> until you're all a lot better mm-hmm.
1: yeah, so you so mentioned um your talk the talk with a client who has had a loss and is moving forward i think there's still some other things that often come up to discuss you we often see well maybe not often um depending on i guess the feeds that you follow and such but there are services available. So when we talk about mm. helping someone decide, what do you want to do when your milk comes in? Mm-hmm. Are we going to try and stem the flow? Are yeah. we? Do you need to do something different? Do you need to? Do you want to pump and donate? Is that going to be something that carries you forward? Um, I got a call from my cousin who'd had a, a late term loss, and I barely know this cousin. It's kind of like an extended family mm-hmm. situation, but um, that that she'd had a loss and she wanted to know what she could do with her milk what should I do with this and uh, but that was kind of part of her healing was being able to take something good from this experience and move it forward and so she pumped for quite a while um, to donate she wanted to know where she should send it where the best place is or if she should Mm -hmm. should go through uh, human milk for human babies and uh, donate locally but uh that's often part of the conversation, too, yes. because that's a big physical reminder afterwards. Mm-hmm. And not, not everybody
0: wants to do that. Some people just want to tell me the fastest Wait way to, thing to, 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 to get this, this to stop. stop, which is what my client wanted. She just wanted it over. So we had a list of things to do. Um, uh, I called a midwife friend of mine, and she gave us some things like a process mm-hmm. that also helped. Having specific steps and things mm-hmm. to do. Do this X number of times a day. Do this once a day, and so on, and then eventually your milk will will go so away. a schedule for that time afterwards. Yeah. yeah, So Some people need that.
2: I know that. So when I went through the one, because we knew it was coming, so we knew there was a bit of time um, between, yeah, to prepare for it. And I mean, at least a couple weeks, mm-hmm. to be honest, um, because it wasn't a it wasn't an intrauterine death. Um, it was actually going to be an abortion. Um, because in technically that would be the term that was used, but because the baby was going to be um, there's a a genetic issue. Very bad, um, not not survival, survival, survivable. Mm
1: -hmm. And a lot of people have a hard time talking about that. Yes, you know, and believing that they deserve comfort. Absolutely, when they've made that decision. Well,
2: the client had said, "Look, because of the way it was going to happen, you know, she was basically, and I was standing over there." At the, there used to be a phone over there in the kitchen. Um, back or, in, the with the day, back in the day. <laughs> with the long wire? No, no, it was a, a handheld. Mm-hmm. Um, but she said, this is what's going to happen. Um, and I understand. She said, I understand if you, for personal reasons, can't yeah, be support. there because it was going yeah. to be an abortion. Yeah. I understand that you, but we would like you to be there if you can, mm-hmm. um, if you will be with us. And mm-hmm. I was like, shit, yeah. Like, of course I'm going to be there. The You don't even have to ask. Mm-hmm. I will be there. Mm-hmm. Regardless of how this is happening, my job is to support you through this, and that is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, we, what I had in my head, because I'd only been a doula, like, fuck a nanosecond. Like, oh, wow. it really wasn't. Yeah, I think was I'd hard. done 20 births before that. So I really had only, I'd been at this less than a year.
0: Yeah.
2: And it was suddenly I'm like, okay, what do I do? I have to, I have to get resources. I have to do this. I have to do that. And I had like all these resources and stuff. But when I got there, the ho- because of the way this was happening, and I'm pretty sure hospitals have this sort of situation under control, is they had all the resources, they had all the stuff, and they had all this, the pamphlets and the paperwork and the social worker and all of this stuff sort of already lined up. So I didn't need to do any of that, um, but it did feel like I was doing something, mm-hmm. right? So...
0: But again, that made you feel like you were doing something. And that gave you a sense of comfort and purpose. Yeah. 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 But they they just wanted you to be there. That's right. Yeah. And
2: maybe what I'll do is, because that's the basis of the story, maybe what I'll do is read that story at the end of this as our birth story. You have it? I have Mm -hmm. it. I wrote it down in the bearing Witness book. That's the story. Oh, oh, right. Yes. That's why mine's the only... (laughs) Mine's the only sad one in the whole book.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but maybe we'll read that and mm-hmm. go through the, okay. the process of mm-hmm. that. All right. Um, so I think one thing that often gets missed in this loss of a baby from a family is we're very concerned about that family as we should be. But what about the doula? How does the doula process this? Mm-hmm. Doulas need doulas too. Yeah. So were you able to
1: talk to people by accident? (laughs) I went to drop something off at, uh, I believe it was Amanda Burke's house. Okay, and I, I thought I was okay until she opened the door, and I think I, I did what I did here in your living room the other right. day, a couple of years ago. It, it all just like felt your knees, yeah, and everything
2: came pouring. Pretty out.
1: much, and then I think I dropped a calm
2: dula presence in front of you, and you just yeah. went, "Oh no, yeah, yeah. crack yeah. in my veneer."
1: The, the time before that, I actually went to a therapist. Yeah, yeah, because afterwards, I, I was having. Mm almost like flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and, you know, you, you mentioned that the, the hospital has lots of resources and often the social worker were come and stuff, but she wanted to hear no one's voice mm-hmm. but my her partner and I. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that weighed heavily on me um, because I kind of wanted more of a community set of people for her, but ended up being that it was more... I became the... I got to translate. Other people who were coming in would tell me and her partner things, her partner and I things, and I would then, when it was appropriate, share that information. And um, people would just come in, say what needed to be said, and, and then leave. Mm-hmm. And then when she was ready to hear or talk about what she had overheard, mm-hmm. then she would pipe up. Mm-hmm. And, um, but also there was a lot of medication on board, so um, her senses were dulled. Her processing was dulled, so that, that might also be it that she was things were delayed. Mm-hmm. But the the lack of sound, the it, it was strangely beautiful, mm-hmm. and which I think some people couldn't process. But it was just it was so heavy. Mm-hmm. It was so heavy. And then um... after her baby was born, the scream I've never heard a scream like that. Mm. You know, it was just it was just it was just grief came yeah. pouring out of her yep. yeah mm-hmm. i've never heard a sound like that again and i imagine it's actually that's not true i guess i've heard it's similar but when it's, when someone loses their child you know they lose everything every every thought all the that dreams they, all the dreams that was going to come with that baby yeah. all yeah. the future mm-hmm. and then after the scream she kind of wept a little bit and then went completely quiet yeah yeah that was hard but yeah so i went to therapy yeah. After that. Because <laughs> I needed that. Yeah. After about a week, I realized I was still kind of just holding on and, yeah. Yeah. Called up, uh, thankfully, back then we actually had a, a walk-in therapy center um oh God, what I, and uh, in ajax we you could walk into in what
0: utopia did you live exactly, <laughs> exactly. well
1: it was Go counselors ahead. honestly it was it was all in the listening i don't even remember the person's name yeah um it was catholic family services and i just knew that they had an open door policy that between x time and x time that there was kind of extra people there and you could walk in and plop your ass down and
0: let it all out. let it all out and that's mm-hmm. what i
1: did yeah so that's how
2: i processed I know when it happened, when it happened to me, one of the people that, so I did a lot of journaling. I wrote a lot, which is why that story came into be. That's good. Better out than in. Yeah. Well, and that's how I, I mean, that seems to be how I process the shit in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, But one thing I had to do is I actually made an appointment with my doctor, my family doctor, Mm -hmm. to talk about what I had seen, what I had medically seen. Mm. Like, the way the baby looked, what yeah, yeah, had yeah. actually happened. Yeah. And yeah. I couldn't ask the family that. Like, it's not... They knew everything that was happening with their baby. They knew medically everything that it, that was happening. Because they had talked to so many medical professionals before they made this decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but I certainly didn't want to ask them these questions. Right. But for my own... Because I'm the person that needs to know how things work, why they work that way, why this happened that way. I there needs to be for me the way I process things in life is I need to know rationale. Yeah. Like Rhyme and what, reason. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm the 10 year old that took apart her VCR, you know, just to figure out how it worked and then put it all back together. Like that's me. Mm-hmm. So in this case, I didn't have anybody to talk to. So I spoke to my, cause again, I hadn't been a doula very long. I certainly didn't have the community that I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, Made an appointment with my family doctor and I said, look, this is what happened and I just need to, from a medical standpoint, need to talk to somebody about it. And yeah, doulas aren't medical and all of that stuff, but for my own brain. Yeah, I was going to say, this to, is
0: for you personally. Yeah. This is not so that you can do
2: anything yes. in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but for my own brain to sort of wrap my head around things, I needed to talk about, you know, what I saw. And I think what was amazing too, because again, as I say, I didn't have the community that I have now. Mm -hmm. That um, when it happened, I'd gone on, gone on the Yahoo
1: message board, back on the message (laughs) board, the
2: Yahoo message board for Doula Care, and said, you know, and asked, "These are the resources that I need."
0: Is that Toronto Doula's? Was that was it called Toronto Doula's? Uh, I swear to God, I still get it's still working. I I haven't been able to unsubscribe. No, I
2: think Doula Care. Was, was Had a their own, hair, a thing. different one. They yeah. did. Because
0: I still get Toronto doulas. And maybe it was on yeah. Toronto
2: yeah. doulas. I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah so still,
2: I still get their guidelines every now and then. That, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I how can't figure really? out how to unsubscribe. Yeah, I don't know either. Because I think you can't do it on your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had put on that, you know, this is what was happening. And I, does anybody have any resources? Because I didn't have any resources. Um what I needed so because you know your certification tells you to make a resource list but you don't actually do it Um and you still get your certification Um <laughs> but when, after I had done that uh, maybe the next day or maybe later that day the phone rang and I picked it up and it was Lisa Karen now back then Lisa Karen was sort of one of these people where for me it was like oh Mm-hmm. Like she's oh, way. She God. still is, Lisa. Yeah, she is. I know she is. Our I, own I mean, I feel a bit, yes. feel a little bit more contemporary now with her. Um, but at the time, I was like, it was like Penny Simkin called me. Like for me, that was that was what I'm talking yes. about. So she had called to talk to me, mm-hmm. lowly little old, mm-hmm. no shit, me, mm-hmm. um, about what was happening and gave me advice and if she, I ever needed to talk about it, that she was. I'm like. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, okay. <clears throat> um, but it was...
1: Pardon me. Jesus. Is that your computer? That's my computer. She's, she's oh.
2: going on to, onto her computer now to unf- unf- unsubscribe <laughs> <didn't subscribe> herself <laughs> from all her Yahoo groups. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, that was massive. Mm. And from that point on, if, if I knew a doula that was going to be going through this, I did that Mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. So my, you know, so when Marion had one, Mm -hmm. um, but she was at another birth, so I went in to do the backup. Mm -hmm. And I said to her after, I'm like, look, and she'd never done this before, I don't Mm -hmm. think either. I said, look, you, first off, you're not taking the bus home. Yeah. Yeah. You're taking a cab. Mm-hmm. And she's like, No, no, I'll be fine. It'll be fine. I'm like, no. Mm, yeah. I do need money. Like, mm-hmm. here is money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take, we are all in
1: the chat together. We're yeah. Like, we're like, we'll just come pick you up. Yeah. Like just stay there.
2: Yeah. Um, and I said, look, when this is over and you when you're ready and you need to talk about this, you call me. She's like, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. I'm like, okay. But you call me if you need this. And yeah, a few days later. She needed to process it, and that's and I will do that for doulas that are going through this because for me it was invaluable to have an older doula. Not that Mary, because Mary and I are contemporary, but um, have an older doula listen to what you have to say and to someone who has gone through that before. So it's very important. I've always said this, especially in my trainings doulas cannot doula in a vacuum you cannot do this on your own i can open a window can you absolutely do it yeah um sorry hot flash so the um yeah pull that and maybe just lift yeah it might just open oh no we actually locked it um so doulas new doulas brand new baby doulas You can't do this on your own you have to actually have somebody in yeah. your corner. You have to have a group of people, one person that you can speak to about the shit that you're going to see because your family isn't going to get it. And there's only so many times that your family is going to be able to listen to you tell these particular stories before they're really just tuning out. So I don't have a partner anymore. They they used to always listen to my to my stories. Yeah. Now my kids just glaze. Like they
0: don't... Oh, yeah, yeah. Kids are not... Teenagers are not that you don't go there for your own emotional support no no not not your duelist. not not my not my kids
2: anyway no like i told the story to will today and he still had his one ear bud in and he's still scrolling reddit and i'm like
0: you know what you know what fuck it i'm gonna finish this story
2: i'm gonna finish this story and you're gonna fucking hear it with your half plays. (laughs) look pretty much gonna be the last story i ever tell i have to i need a
0: i need a partner yeah, you need you know, another adult person. I need another adult Who isn't in my so life. self-centered because that's yes. t- teenagers. That's how they... Sorry, that's sorry, young, if I'm being ageist. But that's been my experience with my kids. They've yeah. got their fingers on their phone, still paused like this. One earbud in and they're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: And you know that they're still listening to Eminem or, you know, Lil Jon or <laughs> M- something. M-M. Lizzo.
0: <laughs> Let's, yeah, get current. Yeah, <laughs> your kids are listening to Eminem. <laughs> Thomas does he's um after that loss that I went through with my clients I think that a big part of that is because I did not attend the actual birth of the baby right so they did go through um labor and delivered the baby vaginally and I was not there so in that sense I did not feel like I needed to process because I did not see and witness all of that and when we were done With my visits there, I felt a deep sense of closure about it, like for them, except for me thinking, could I have done more? Uh." But um, we all, we had like a big, I remember a huge group hug at the door. There were lots of tears and um, I I knew that they were, that they were going to be okay. Mm -hmm. That it might be hard, but that they were going to be okay. And I didn't feel the need to process any more beyond that. I probably did speak to somebody My sister um, and I were both involved in birth work at that time. So I probably did speak to her about it, I'm sure. But uh, the personal loss that I went through, not myself personally, but my close family member, I've never, I haven't done any processing now that I'm thinking about it. Is that bad? Weird?
2: You're going to explode one day. (laughs) Yeah, it's all going to come pouring out. It's all going to come flooding out.
0: It's been 14 years. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was there. I saw that baby, held the baby. And it was my grandbaby. And you haven't... Nope. I've all these years just been so wrapped up in making sure that they were okay. Right. But maybe that's a way of processing it. That goes through you. Making sure that every year on the anniversary that I touch base with them about it. Um, Yeah. But I think about it all the time. I mean, I now have three grandchildren. Yeah. But that was the first. The first. And that child would be 14. Wow. uh, Right now. And no, I never, I didn't do anything co- purposeful to process it. I just didn't think I needed it. And maybe I'm wrong.
1: You know what I mean? no, Maybe I mean, I've worked
0: it through over the years in small, small, small little ways. But I do think about it. Oh my God. I think about it a lot. And I do remember going to yoga. This happened to me twice one with this loss, and another time with my sister's traumatic birth. I went to yoga, like, right after, like, the next day. And fell apart. Yeah. In yoga. Like, at the end, end of yoga. There. Yes. You could fall apart about the milk being spoiled in the, yoga. I mean, I can't imagine I going mean, with big, such a heavy... Big, ugly... Heavy, emotional... Crying that I thought I was going to vomit kind of crying. Oh, shit. Um, in the yoga studio. And it's a good thing I had a friend there. Both times I had a friend with me. <clears throat> and the yoga teacher just came over and said are you guys okay and we and my friend said yeah I'll I'll stay with there and the yoga teacher just said okay and just left us alone in the room which was great while I cry vomited all over um so maybe that was the thing that's maybe that was the big
1: processing thing we're so individual that way but what I love about what you said about the the family that you were with after their loss is that I think some people, when there's loss, they step back, mm-hmm. but, and like, like I said about a couple families wanting you to not be present, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, cause they don't want this to be a birth. Right? right. They don't want, they want this to be, this is what they need. They need this to not yeah. be what they visualize. They need it to be something completely different. Um, and I imagine maybe for postpartum, it's the same for some people. They They want to isolate and not make this their postpartum. This is just their transition to get rid of their milk and and heal from a process. Yeah. But there's the other side of that coin too, where people do want to have postpartum support. And that's just as important Mm -hmm. as the person who chooses to have birth support. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Absolutely, Um, yes. So if someone were, I, I would hope that if someone were to have a loss and contact you about that, that their first thought isn't necessarily that they're not, Deserving of or don't need postpartum support because there's no baby hmm
2: mm-hmm. you know? that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean That you don't still need the support. It's like getting an epidural. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, you, yeah, you're not having any pain, but that doesn't mean you don't still need support
1: mm-hmm. You've never been in a bed with an epidural waiting for your baby before yeah, so you yeah. still have someone with and you, you who's You've never
2: been at home mm-hmm. bleeding hmm having your milk come in having every emotion thrown at you without a- your permission without mm-hmm. anything and without actually having a baby now to mm-hmm. t- to look after
1: mm-hmm.
2: that's hard
0: it just occurred to me that when i just talked about that that loss that personal loss a family loss that that that's that, that's a difference i was not just a support person yes that was the loss of a family member and yes. so i was there uh, with my son and his wife, while they made arrangements for a funeral, we had a funeral yeah, in yeah. a church. We had ashes, and you know the ashes were scattered. And the baby had a name, and mm-hmm. so that was it. That was my processing. Now that I'm thinking about it, yeah. it wasn't like Those when are you, the rituals. When through. you're yeah. yeah, when you're a doula and you leave the actual scene of what's happening and you go home now to your supposedly normal life and, and you are supposed to, to normal find somewhere to put this experience you just went through but with that kind of situation it's a family thing you it is it's what your family is going through all together absolutely so i remember going home from the hospital that morning and talking to the kids my other kids about what had happened and and helping them deal with that and then going back to the hospital later, helping my daughter-in-law with her milk and yeah. all of that sort of stuff and going through it. So it was lots to do, which is how people process. Mm-hmm. I'm not the kind of person to step back. I'm, I've am i got to be right in there and I've got to go through all of it. Yeah. So that's why I feel okay today now that I think about it because yeah. I was in it. Yeah. Fully immersed in it, and that and it's as you say. That's what happens with doulas: is
2: our service ends, but they get to do the processing and and, yeah. and all of this other stuff. But you don't. The yeah. doula doesn't, and that's why you need to you the doula has to have process, and you have to have closure as well, right? So you have for, to know yourself.
0: What well, you, yeah, what you. What you will need immediately, yeah. what you will need in a week, yeah. what you're going to need in two months, yep. and how how are you going to move through? Um, and I I would really like to speak to somebody who does full spectrum doula work mm-hmm. all the time because mm-hmm. this only comes up. That was the only time that that's come up for me in my work as a birth person, a birth support person. I haven't had that thankfully happen again. Um, so it's not something that I deal with all the time. How? I oh my God. I
2: could not. I, yeah. I'm going to be dead honest. I could not. I, I'm i someone who all doulas are empathetic. But for me, the empatheticness of me is so overwhelming. That's why I hate going to funerals. This is why I hate. Oh, because you're absorbing everything. I absorb everything everybody's stuff so much and having to do this on a daily basis or Mm. on a you know at least a a regular basis a few times a month uh, there's no way I would be I'd be a mess I'd be over Mm. in that corner over there see that box I'd be in that box (laughs) hiding just tape it up just tape me up (laughs) ship me to Australia (laughs) and and have somebody open it up and I'll Mm. just go live there for a while because there's no way I could do that.
1: Do you think you could do full
0: spectrum deliver?
1: I think I could, but I'm actually thinking right now in this sense of although I do bring up in um I respect birth planning. Um or even prenatally, like when you're when we're first meeting and no one really likes to talk about the possibility of loss. But I think I pretty regularly bring up that there's sometimes we have unexpected outcomes. And I I'll say I, I don't necessarily always say that your baby may pass. Sometimes we have unexpected outcomes, be that not how your birth is going to come out, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or um, or a miscarriage or something along mm-hmm. those lines. And I now, because of that one person who said they didn't they needed this to not be a birth and not be that, um, I say out loud, no matter how your pregnancy comes to an end my role is to be there with you. Mm-hmm. Whenever, whether it's expected or unexpected, whether it's hard or easy, my role is to be there with you. So I don't want you to feel like you can't call me if mm-hmm. something unexpected comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that leads to a deeper discussion about the potenti- potential loss and things like that. But uh, it's so much of a blind side, no matter how much you talk about it, it's a blind side to parents. Oh, yeah. Uh, or especially parents who might know that they need or want to make the decision to terminate a pregnancy. Um, due to a genetic disorder or something that's come up that leads mm-hmm. them to that place, um, I don't want anyone to ever feel any shame in having to make that decision. No. And that, yeah, you can call, and yeah, of course I'll be there with you for that because this is still the day that you need support to bring your baby into this world. Right. Um, I don't always bring it up as stillbirth or anything like that because we just don't know what that unexpected outcome would be. But I do bring it up wow. as part I'm of not the discussion. Sure
2: could Do that. I don't want to. I don't know. I'm. I've always told you guys I'm a Pollyanna. I stick my head in the sand. I don't want to. I don't want to go there unless we're actually going to go there. I don't want to cross that bridge until the bridge is actually in front of us.
1: Mm -hmm. But when someone asks me, "What is it that you do?" and it that I go with you regardless of what happens. True. A medication, no medication. You know, whether your baby has... Vaginal birth. That's right. Mm -hmm. Whether your baby is still with us or not. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, no matter what the outcome or... I don't even want to say whatever the journey is going to look like, my role is to be there with you. Right. Um, To answer questions if you need me to, or just to sit on my hands Mm -hmm. and be with you so you're not alone. Mm -hmm. That's what that is. Mm -hmm. I don't generally go into much more detail than that. It's just I want to give them the full picture of what... Support looks like it's not pick and choose support, it's support, yes, yeah, that's true. Um, I think I could. I
0: intellectually, I know that people, humans, must have support during mm-hmm. big times in their lives, whether it's big bad things or big good things. Mm-hmm. You're having a wedding, or you're having a, a Big, fat, healthy baby, you need support around that. You need support around everything. Absolutely. And I, have, I, I think that I'm one of those people who can offer that support. And I also know that the only way to be able to offer support to people is to somehow not absorb all of the, the grief and the sadness and the whatever, whatever, whatever is happening.
1: Sorry. Oh, is that you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I And I know that, that that's the only way. That's how social workers do it. Right. That's how doctors and surgeons, how are they able to still oh, okay. provide health care to people when, so you know, like people who, who work in fields where there's a high mortality rate and those support people and those caregivers got to keep going somehow. Yeah. There's something there's there. First responders. Exactly. If you're going to be destroyed... Every single time you, because you're absorbing all of that pain and all of that horror and all of that grief, you can't get out of bed the next day to do it again. I think I have that, some of that, anyways. I'm not so, what's the word, porous? I'm not so porous that it all soaks in. I can empathize, but I also know that I must keep a certain distance because this is not my, it's not my fit. It's not my loss Right. that's happening. So it's almost it like is, a skill set. Like it, it is. A is I absolutely skillset. believe it's a skill set. Absolutely. When I see this, a family who's <clears throat> grieving, it's not about me. And if if I am going to absorb all of their pain, I can't support them. I can't. No. So I have to somehow. It sounds weird, but harden myself, yeah. put a distance between my. Even during uh, happy, oh, yeah. regular l- labor. I can't get involved in, because the people who are actually doing it, it isn't just joy and anticipation. It's a lot of fear and anxiety, maybe past trauma, all of their relationship issues, all of those people bring all of that shit to their birth experience. If I get caught up in that, I'm useless. Yeah. Totally useless. You're
1: distracted.
0: Yes. Completely distracted and paralyzed because, are they fighting? do yeah. they do they hate each other is that what's happening here oh my god how could you hate her i can't not yeah. my business yeah so yeah. I, I, it, I please, let's go yeah the only way that i can function as a good support person is by having an amount of distance and kind of uh intellectualizing what do these people need what do they need do they yeah. need food do they need this do they need that yeah. okay let me give that to them um does she need me to sit with her and talk about the weather does she to sit with her and talk about the new fall fashions? Is that what she needs? Yeah. Then that's what I do.
1: Yeah. Are we putting white chicks on Netflix right now? Is that what
0: <laughs> she needs? Then that's what you do. And that doesn't mean you don't feel or empathize. Yeah. There is, there is, um, it is but possible it's, to. It's your empathy that shows you what it is that it y- need. Yes. Right? And it's your empathy that tells you where your place is in this situation. Exactly. So that tight circle of pain and grief i'm not in it no i'm outside of it and i can see it and i can feel it coming off of them without letting it yeah. saturate myself
1: which is even more important in in a sense of loss when yeah. there's a sense of loss that day yeah but it's, it's a different type of energy. It's what doulas have energy. to do. I mean, it's I what think, you
2: have to do that. I think some doulas get into this thinking, you know, that they're, you know, that they're going to be all a part of this. And it's going to, it's going to mimic, you know, the amazingness of their birth and all of this stuff. And, it's and like, you're just
0: going to soak up all the joy and
2: skip no. home after every
0: birth. And no first off, it's not your birth. And second off, birth just is not all full of joy. Even no. the ones that have healthy, happy outcomes. Yep. It's still hard, freaking work. It's yep. still, like I said, people bring their shit to their birth experience yep. and you go away feeling, Oh God, it's heavy. It, it's intense. It might've been joyful, yep. but it's also, Oh my God, that was a scary little patch we went through there or, yep. or whatever. Some of it might be traumatic. I mean, that's the, and you have to be able to,
1: uh, live outside of that. And that's the only way to provide. It's hard. It's I don't think you know hard. if you can actually do this work until you're doing, doing this it. Work. Yes, you yeah. can. Um, I had a client who had two good experiences: one with an OB and one with uh, midwives. Two great birth experiences, long and hard, but good. And um, afterwards, she was so happy about this is what women do, and this is what people do, and they support each other, and they have good days when they're bringing their baby into this world and what that looks like that she decided to after the kids got a little bit bigger to become a doula Mm -hmm. so she went to a training she's really excited and and we talked about it and then she went on to go to finally yes when her youngest was three went to her first birth this was gonna be a complete change of direction for her her career and she called me afterwards she's like how do you do this she goes I don't understand they were talking down to my client, treating her like she was an imbecile. Um, they actually said, you don't get a trophy when she said oh, she didn't oh, feel I like she needed. Yeah, that one's been going around these days. She's like, how do women birth while being condescended to? And after, yeah. she tried one more birth after that, standard hospital birth. And she's like, would you be disappointed if I told you I can't be a doula? Like, Absolutely. Why not. would I not be why would I be disappointed? We all work through things and we yep. find out. Yeah, a see way. it's the, the thing again of
0: she's saying to you, We'd you be disappointed if I won't be a duel as if this is about you. Yeah. yeah. No? This that, is not about no. you. So why I, I and I might be so I would say I'm a little dis I would actually say yeah, I'm kinda of disappointed, but you got to do you. At the end of the day, it's not. It doesn't yeah. matter really what it, I feel. Yeah, she's asking what you feel, and I think it's honest to say I am disappointed because I had visions of me and you like being yeah. like a doula team, <laughs> and now it's not going to happen. But it actually doesn't matter how I feel. That's yeah. that's the bottom line. Yeah, Who and I'm here to if listen I'm to sad, what? disappointed, angry, or whatever.
2: There you go. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's precisely the reason I don't work with teens anymore. Mm-hmm. Is that.
1: You he know how them? the
2: fuck can I? I can't do this. I can't do this and stay within my scope of practice of you know not assaulting other practitioners. Like that's that's part of your scope of practice is not punching doctors in the face. Um, yeah, what and not, I knew what not to do. Yeah, and I would go there. I I know I would go there. So I had I had one last one where I kind of tore a strip off the anesthesiologist, and at that point I was like. Yeah, no, if I want to continue to do this as a career, I need to not do this anymore. So mm-hmm. I need to step back. Yeah, but you got to know what your parameters are. I had a client once who, I, when I walked into their house for the interview, yeah. she had so much anxiety that when I left the house after the, anxi- after the, the interview, mm-hmm. I left with so much anxiety.
1: <laughs> I was
2: walking down the street to my car going... Please don't hire me. Please don't <laughs> hire me. Please don't hire me. Because I was they literally so having a up. panic attack. Mm-hmm. Well, fuck if they didn't hire me. Now, at that point, I should have said, Nah, eh, I'm not really available anymore. But I went to the birth. <clears throat> and it was, again, so much anxiety around them that they actually... They lived 10 minutes from the hospital. Like, literally a 10-minute walking distance. Mm-hmm. That when labor started, they called, the hosp- they called an ambulance. Oh, my God. And... And I get to the hospital, and I'm like, where are my clients? They're not here yet. And then I see paramedics bring, you know, somebody into labor and delivery. I'm like, or I didn't see who they brought in, but I saw them. And I'm like, wait a minute. Was that? And I texted the dad, and they're like, oh, yeah. That birth was so disappointing for me. Um, I just, again, it was another one of those things where I'm like, what the hell did I just do here? Like I wasn't able to do anything that I would normally do. Mm-hmm. And when all is said and done, I still have all this anxiety. Like mm-hmm. at that point it would have been, yeah, I, I got to quit doing what I do, but I persevered. You persevered. I trudged through. And here I am 13 years later.
0: <laughs> still
2: doing this still shit. Still doing this <laughs> shit. Yep. Which I love.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. So. um, What about, and I, I'm, <laughs> I know that none of us identify as full spectrum doulas, but um, be, and the one situation that you went in was was a therapeutic abortion, a, yeah. a late term, late term yeah. therapeutic abortion. Um, what about I, was, I don't? I was gonna say regular abortion. <laughs> what, I'm sure. There's what I a mean better, by that is I'm sure there's a better terminology. Early term, yes. early Send us term your text. Um, <laughs> abortion, and supporting people through that. Mm-hmm. That. Uh, I've done that in regular life, not as a doula, because that's not how I bill myself. Uh-huh. As because uh, I don't identify as a full spectrum doula at this point. Um, but yeah, I'm. I've. I think that that requires another skill set too, right? To be able to walk somebody through that s- sad, scary, really emotional, traumatic situation. Um, and I've done that many more than three times so so many
1: yeah oh, because it's needed
0: yes it's needed so many times people have to go through that by themselves that's very true um, um, that's not
1: which is not cool not cool when uh, when Kim and I first started working together, so it was long ago um, I was part of a program for that and oh. um, just for that just, situation, um, it's not just for that, but it was kind of primarily for that uh-huh. um, with with very young people. So, um, and it's not something that's kind of advertised. You end up finding out about it because you have the right social worker or yeah, yeah, um, yeah. the right care provider who would connect you with that service. But uh, that is a, I think that's a really special thing to kind of be invited or asked to support someone that to be to ask someone to be someone who gets to sit with someone through th- also such a life-changing day as that mm-hmm. um whether you're with them leading up to it or afterwards but really the day of if we talk about that term i know we've, we've had some fun with it before holding space mm-hmm. but it's just that that presence mm-hmm. it really is that mm-hmm. presence and that and somewhat that non-judgmental sistering mental space yep. yeah you're just with them yep you know yeah i think it maybe not talked about enough but it's certainly a service that's needed it's a relationship that's needed Mm -hmm. on that day for sure absolutely and it I don't think that requires any special skill set outside of the one we just discussed which is remaining open and soft and comforting without any judgment without any concern without bringing your own anxieties thoughts um Mm -hmm. defenses with you Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Just really being open while you're sitting there with this person who's probably got a million things running through their head. Yeah.
0: And now that I think about it, um, full disclosure here, I mean, it's 2019, and I don't feel any shame about this, but I had an abortion. How old was I? I remember, but not very old. And it was a guy friend from high school who I'm still friends with to this day. If you listen to this podcast, you know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make him listen to it. Uh, But he was there for me that day. Oh, well, he was there for me right from the minute that I found out that I was pregnant and helped process that whole horror and what I was going to do. Helped me figure out specifically where to go, who to see, blah, blah, blah. Drove me there on the day, waited... Every time I passed that intersection, I remember that day. Waited at the Harvey's until it was over, came and picked me up, drove me home, made me spaghetti, Aww. stayed with me until I fell asleep, the, like from early in the morning until late in the afternoon. Um, and that sort of non judgmental, do the things that I needed, like th- those specific things. He didn't philosophize about it. He didn't like get emotional about it. He didn't um, cry with me. It was a decision I knew I had to like, this is something I had to do. And he didn't want me to go through it by myself. And that pre- and he, knowing that he was there waiting for me, that he was going to be there. He said, I'm not even going to leave this neighborhood. As soon, you know, they, I'm going to talk to the lady. She'll tell me when to come when I got to come back and I'll be right here. That was the biggest source of comfort. Mm -hmm. That's doula work. Yeah. That's doula work. It is. That's it right there. And so he didn't, he couldn't absorb my, he was a kid because he's never been through that. Right. An unwanted pregnancy in his body. Mm -hmm. And he never will go through that. So he he was just physically incapable of actually empathizing with me. But he could do the actions. But he could do what, and that brought me so much comfort. So I'm... What I'm saying is we don't need to soak up and absorb everything in order to be good support people. As a matter of fact, I believe that we're better when mm-hmm. we don't do that. If you can be non-judgmental and keep that sense of comfort for the person just because you know that they're there, that's the most important thing you can do. That really is. So
1: That really sums it up.
0: Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. It does. And look at that. We are sums it up we're at like one hour and 11 minutes (coughs) and 25 seconds 27 and our story today will be your story from yes i just
2: have to go find the book yeah so we'll take a break all right let's take a break let's go pee and we'll be back
1: yeehaw all
2: right here we go here we are. Here we are. Thank you for waiting for us while mm-hmm. we went to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And that is how I'm going to read the story. No, no. <laughs> <coughs> we would kill you before it was over. The <laughs> <laughs> Divining moment by Kimberley Fernandes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to read it like Julia Childs. Yeah. <coughs> I can make fun because I wrote this. All right. <clears throat> As I
0: lose my voice. Let me just take a sip of water sip sip look at your cup your cup looks so nice and mine looks ratty and beat up i like guess it's, it's like frosted yeah yours is frosted. okay uh, mine, because mine's newer than yours and yours mine's is almost. 100 years old yeah. all right
2: uh i stood there sorry i stood there frozen in my kitchen my head spinning while i held the phone to my ear sr so i used initials in this not the actual person's name uh, Sr. was telling me about her latest doctor's appointment. The ultrasound at 34 weeks had shown severe malformation of the baby's brain. She explained that her little girl would have virtually no quality of life. Her voice was steady but wrought with anxiety as she told me about her special about the specialist she and her husband were seeking were speaking to, both at home and overseas. It was clear they were leaving no stone left unturned. Then she told me her pregnancy would likely end in a termination. My heart stopped. She said she knew I would have to think about it, and she understood if I couldn't, but she and her husband wanted me to be there with them for the delivery. As soon as the words were spoken, I said without hesitation, of course, anything you need, I will be there. I could hear the relief in her voice when she told me that she would keep me updated on what was happening. When I hung up the phone, I didn't move. I stood there for what seemed like hours until my own daughter asked me to read her story. I scooped her up and hugged her as tears flowed into my hair or into her hair. After a few hours, it really hit me. I wasn't so naive that I didn't think this could never happen. Birth is unpredictable my nature, but I just did not think it would happen so soon. I had only been a doula a little over a year, and this was my 22nd birth. I knew this was going to be difficult, and so I sought the advice of my colleagues. Many of my doula sisters offered me great advice, a shoulder to cry on, and an ear to unload my thoughts and feelings to. I garnered lots of comfort and support, and I realized then that sometimes a doula needs a doula. For as doulas, that is what we do. We offer comfort and support, and we do it unconditionally. When a mother or her partner needs us to be there, we are there. No mm-hmm. question. And we do it not only because it is our job, but also because we know someone needs us, and we do all we can to satisfy their needs, sometimes sacrificing ourselves and our families. I knew this birth would change me forever emotionally, but I didn't care. She needed me, and that was all that counted. In the coming days, SR and her husband informed me of what was going to happen. I met them at the hospital, where they had been induced the night before. I entered the room very early in the morning, and they looked drained and worn. I didn't really know what to say, but I talked and I asked questions all day long, everything possible to keep things calm and light. I remember that we talked about who was on the cover of People magazine. We talked about anything and everything that didn't have to do with what was happening Mm -hmm. at the time. Small talk. Exactly. We all knew what was coming, so we did our best not to focus on it until it was necessary. Later in the afternoon, their little girl was born, finally, stillborn. The silence in the room hit me like a truck. Not hearing a baby's cry was unnerving. I concentrated on SR's face and told her how proud I was of her. I brushed the hair aside from her damp forehead and made sure that her husband was okay while the nurses took the baby to clean her up and swaddle her. During that time, there were lots of tears and hugs, and I did all I could to stay strong and support them. The baby was given to her mother, and SR cooed and snuggled her and did everything a new mother would. My heart was ripping apart in my chest while she spoke of her little girl and showed me her precious little face. I took pictures of the three of them for their memory box, and I wrote down notes for a birth story I would be preparing. Finally, it was time for me to leave and give them some alone time. SR asked me if I wanted to hold her daughter. I was barely hanging on, so I bent down and I kissed her forehead, and I whispered that I couldn't. She gave me an understanding smile and looked into my eyes and thanked me. I smiled back and could feel myself unraveling. I hugged her and her husband, and I left. By the time I got to the car, I was completely overwhelmed with emotions. With tears uh, clouding my vision, I drove home. I wasn't sure how I made it, but when I did, I hugged my family and I thanked God for all I had. I knew then that life was more precious than I had ever realized. This birth was single handedly the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. But this very special couple needed support through an extremely difficult time that no parent should have to go through. So, regardless of my own beliefs and emotions, I would not have been anywhere else that day except by their side, supporting them, caring for them, and grieving with them. I realized that day that being a doula was not what I do for a living, but who I am as a person. Oh, very good. So, that birth, when that birth was over, I had pretty much decided I was done. I wasn't going to do birth anymore, I wasn't going to be a doula anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the universe Mm -hmm. um, has a way of punching you in the face and telling you which way you're supposed to go. The very next birth I did was one month to the day Mm -hmm. after this one. So I was, because I had clients already lined up, and when they were done, I was going to be done. It was at the same hospital, Mm -hmm. the same time of day, Mm -hmm. the same room. Whoa. The same nurse, the same doctor, mm. and it was amazing, and it was fabulous, and it was beautiful, and but everything was exactly the same, the and home. you know they only saved the, the, this was at Sinai when, before Sinai's new thing, so they had those really special rooms to the side, like those two or three ones, and yeah. then they had all the shitty ones down the back, yeah. um, and we usually go to the shitty ones at the yes. back, the big ones are saved for, like, special mm-hmm. people, right? Mm-hmm. Um And this couple were not that I was hoping that after this, they weren't super special or anything, Mm -hmm. but that's where we were. And it was, everything was the same. And it was like the universe going, um, no, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're not done with you yet. Mm -hmm. You have more to do. We have more to do with you. So here is, we're going to take that situation and we're going to change it for you and show you that life can be amazing and beautiful. Yeah. And you need to keep going in that direction. Yeah. I was like, "Okay." I literally left, going, "Oh my god!" Looking at this guy, going, "Okay, fucking leave me alone." All right, <laughs> I got you. <laughs> but when I, I think I told the story. Oh yeah, I told that story when we were driving, uh, when we were talking about cars, and I was driving home with the ugly tears. So yes. this was that. Birth. Okay, okay. Yes. So that's right. That, the that, word association. Yeah, that poor
1: cop, <laughs> looking at me, going, "Oh fuck, no, don't no. <laughs> just." I'm not doing <laughs> <laughs> with you ugly god, crying. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow it is interesting to see that there are some people who move towards someone who's ugly crying and other people who they see the ugly crying and they run the other way yes (laughs) i don't want a piece of that nope 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 so the
2: so when um so i had written for this particular birth i those were the last birth notes that i ever gave i know there's some dealers are like oh what do you give at the end blah 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 and i used to i used to create the birth notes and everything like that. That was the last time I ever did it. I actually scrapbooked those notes. I don't scrapbook. That is not who I am. Um, when you were artsy-fartsy. I was very, I, this had touched me so much that I was actually jumping outside my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are the last birth notes I ever took that I ever did. Um, and the, um, what was I going to say? Oh, fuck, I can't remember. So... Oh, when she had, she got pregnant again a little while later. Um, And when that, I went to that birth. And during the pushing stage, so she's this tiny little woman. um, But during the pushing stage, it was clear that this baby was not coming. And there was um, shoulder dystocia. And at that point, um, and we were in one of those. Shitty rooms. They didn't get the pretty room. This <laughs> Back time. in a shitty room. <laughs> they didn't get the pretty room this time around, um, and they were like pushing and like trying to get this baby to come out. And at that point, I backed up. Do you remember they used to have like a little alcove where there was like a desk? Yes. And it was- yes. So when things were dark, and mm-hmm. the things were dark for the birth, except for the big spotlight, I remember this like from a theatrical point of view. Mm-hmm. This was crazy. And everybody was working around her vagina and trying to get this baby out. And her partner was standing up there. And I stepped back into this little dark alcove, which was right behind us. Mm -hmm. And I literally, and I'm not religious. Okay. Like I say, I thanked God. Like I thanked something. Mm -hmm. Um, But in this case, I stepped back and I was like, fuck you, God. If you fuck this up. I am going to rain hell upon you. All and the religious I'm, people yeah. just Yeah, I'm, like, I'm oh sorry about that coming me, for you. Blast for me on your
0: head. You're going to be smited today. But
2: I probably will. I probably should stay home the rest of the day. <laughs> but I thought, no fucking way are, is this, we're having this baby. Mm-hmm. We did not go through what we went through before, that this is not going to work out this time. Mm-hmm. And she ended up giving birth to this, like, over nine-pound, big-ass baby. Um and everything was fine, but I was like, I'm like, we're not doing this again. Yeah. We're not doing no. this again, not, not for her. So, yeah. So, God and I have okay. your God and how I'm Kim I how Kim. I see him. Um, we have a, we have an
0: understanding, okay? Yeah. Me too. People always give me a hard time about my belief systems. Mm-hmm. I'm like, listen, don't worry about it, okay? Because mm-hmm. if there it's is a belief. Jesus, if there's a Jesus, me and him are tight. Yeah. So I can say anything to him that I want. He's cool like that. So don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, so. I know. Well, look at that. We are at the end of another episode. Right? Yep. it's the end. Yep. Yeah.
2: I was just you were checking in your phone, I was waiting to, and, you to um, finish your sentence.
0: And we are now going to Stay group. We're going to do a study group afterwards because not we don't, me. We don't know anything. Kim knows everything. Me and no, Steph need to know more stuff. So we're going to Vera's. Also,
1: that's where we're going, right?
0: Vera's, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> also, maybe there's going to be snacks there. Snacks or right? <laughs> that's, that's still not going to get anywhere. I need to drive all the way across the city to High Park to get <laughs> snacks at Vera's house. <laughs> I just want to sit in Vera's house and talk about doula shit. So that's what we're doing now. I have a. Uh, I have anxiety of meeting new people and being in the company bet of others. i you're going to know all of those people. Trained half of them. Yes. Yeah. No. I'm I'm a total introvert with extrovert tendencies. That only come out.
2: That only come out when I have to teach. Yes, (laughs) when I have to teach, I save up all my introvertness for teaching, and and then and then it shoves it away. (laughs) And I only have a certain well of of introvertedness Mm -hmm. or extrovertedness that I can pull from.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm okay when I'm out of the house. Are you fucking kidding me? You're so popular. When I'm out of the house, I'm good. I just I don't have an extrovert when I'm in my house.
0: That's true.
2: Fucking weed man again.
1: God. You yes. want to whack your Is that stop, stop
0: calling me, and that you means st- the same thing that it's always meant, despite legalization. In Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Still, the guys who come and do your lawn for you—that's right, yes. that's right.
2: Who, but I
1: imagine you sent hadn't... me an
2: email to Mr. Kimberly Fernandez and never answered my question. <laughs> mm-hmm. So fuck you and your machismo and not actually listening and reading what I wrote you. Mm-hmm. Fucking don't call me anymore. Got should, that? Weed man. Alright. <clears throat> Thank you. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And come back uh,
0: next week. Come back next week where we will muzzle her. Yeah, yeah maybe. Okay. <laughs> See you later. Be Bye. good everybody. Bye.